All right. All right. Well, welcome, Mario, Thank to, you. Uh, to the Poker Podcast. Good to have you here. Nice to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to, uh, to talk with you because, well, we have a lot to talk about, but we got introduced through our, our mutual friend, Andre from Best in Hell. Uh, small plug there for Best in Hell. <laughs> um, but uh, you're a really interesting guy. So please introduce yourself and tell, tell the listeners about who you are. Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for, once again for, being, uh, for having me here. Uh, well, about me, I don't, know, I don't even know where to start, but uh, uh, I'm 24 years old. Um, I'm at this moment running my second startup called Crave, uh, which is a food delivery app for restaurants that does things in a different way. We can dive a bit deeper into that a bit later. Uh, before this company, I founded another startup called Dropbox, that is a third-party delivery service for any business. Uh, we deliver anything from groceries to food to clothes to iPads in 30 minutes in a very short radius. Um, actually, with Dropbox, we did history in 2020 because we delivered the, uh, an iPad from Tector in 30 minutes. It was the fastest electronic delivery in Finland. That's awesome. It's <laughs> <laughs> really cool. cool. It's cool. a cool. It's a cool medal to pin to your chest. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, Dropbox. I, I did have a look into your into your business. Yeah. From what I understand is that you give businesses the opportunity to utilize a third party delivery service to get their product to customers without using what in in the food restaurant industry case services like Vault and Foodora. You're acting on behalf of the. Uh, client website or the retailer's website you utilize an API get the information that they need to uh, deliver their product to their customer and then as you said under 30 minutes yeah correct that's cool. exactly how it works cool it's a really cool it's a cool business and a cool concept and as the world grows and develops this is obviously an area where you know or a part of the market that's continued to develop continuously uh, what gave you the idea to start Dropbox? Good question. Uh, it actually started in 2019, uh, early, early 2019. Uh, we wanted to, we, we were frustrated that Bolt was only delivering uh, food, right? We wanted to get much more than just food delivered to home with the same, you know, speed. And there really wasn't any solution for that. And actually, Dropbox was supposed to be a marketplace for everything else but food. Okay. Um, and what triggered me to actually make Dropbox was also bad experiences from companies like DHL and uh, Post-it that you know that uh, you never know when the package is going to arrive. It takes like seven days. Sometimes they lose their package. And DHL is the uh, like typical example with DHL. They arrive to your place, they ring the doorbell, and before you even get to uh, open the door, the guy is already completely gone. So then you have to go to a pickup point and get your package. So it just doesn't make any sense, and it's still the same nowadays. But yeah, so these all like problem problems are our vision on how to solve that was through a marketplace. Uh, we built our app for like eight months 
and we started to uh, to to find the the first customers business customers but actually it never really worked out it never really penetrated the market the way that we wanted and we always got this feedback that they don't want to be in a marketplace because they already have their own online source like Shopify, WooCommerce and to, for them it didn't make any sense to be on a marketplace but I would say 90% of those they gave us this feedback that they don't want to be in a marketplace but they want to offer faster deliveries so then we started to think wait how about we just forget about the marketplace and we focus on you know bringing a solution to this specific uh, need so we were listening to the market, right? And this is something that we should actually have done way before. So listen to the market, what the market really wants, instead of just from your own head, bring, uh, building a solution. Okay, so entrepreneurship 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, really interesting that you started that way. And uh, it's interesting to hear that you didn't approach the market opinion first. Yeah. Uh, you know, we spoke in the previous podcasts with other entrepreneurs and we actually spoke about these challenges as a, as a new entrepreneur. It can be hard to get out of your own head and think, you know, oh man, you know, this is surely people want this. Um, it's also interesting to hear that you wanted to start with a marketplace. Can I ask kind of when you were thinking about that, what was the plan regarding like inventory? Were you going to hold certain products, uh, products in stock? How were you going to kind of deal with the marketplace, you know, before the delivery? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, we encountered that challenge with bigger, like, uh, businesses, like, for example, Little. Uh, they wanted to. They were actually the the ones who wanted to have both marketplace and the delivery solution. But as, as you know, like, they have a huge inventory, and at that moment, they didn't have any way how to synchronize their inventory with our app. So it would have been impossible to really do deliveries for them because say you add a milk to your cart and then the milk is not available. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. And there's also lots of locations, lots of stores. So yeah. that's, that's kind of a huge you know, project or integration to work with supermarkets. And I think supermarkets, even today, they're trying to find delivery solutions with third parties and their their marketplace or inventory management is definitely a big challenge for them. Yeah. Um, cool. So so the 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 idea developed into now a third party delivery system, and then who were your first customers or your first clients with DropX? How did that kind of start off? Yeah. So we started operations in October 2020. That's when we did our first deliveries. Uh, we started with some restaurants and some electronic stores. Uh, they are com two completely different worlds. Like when it comes to food, you can't be late, right? Because if it's hot food, it's going to get bad and the customer is going to be uh, angry. And on top of that, customers are hungry, which makes them angrier if you're late. <laughs> so uh, when, on the other hand, when you were delivering like e-commerce stuff, like clothes or e uh, tech, there's no, you don't have to be there like at exact time there's a little bit more understanding from the user side but uh, we had a small pilot with some customers and we went delivering in a very small area and after that we've been growing 
are going to other segments like nowadays we do grocery deliveries for many different chains uh, in many different areas in Helsinki metropolitan area uh, we deliver like fashion and uh, we deliver a lot of things nowadays so as a no- new entrepreneur you had a new concept you found clients uh, we spoke a little bit before that you then went and got funding so did you find some investors that were willing to invest into the project or, or how did you find these these uh, how did you find or, or locate that funding I think for a lot of entrepreneurs that's a really interesting part of the process is about how to fund your project and fund your vision uh, give us a little bit of breakdown on that yeah yeah uh, absolutely so uh, I would say that to, to make a successful pilot or successful company the, f- the main things that you need in the beginning are like a good like product MVP then you need some funding and a good thing if you have all this you're on the right track but funding is one of the hardest thing especially in the beginning and if you're young like me or if you really don't have much track uh, like records from from before so for us the how we got our first ticket, um, which was um, a small one, but it gave us the possibility to kickstart uh, our pilot. It was through connections. So one of our founders knew a guy who was interested into this market, and the guy he, he believed in this project. Uh, he gave us a small ticket, but more important, he was also giving us support and helping. I think that's one of a really important thing, uh, especially when you are early stage, that don't don't just look for the money. Also, try to get the support. So the so-called smart capital. Yep, strategic partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, <clears throat> at that point, had you discovered how much money you would need to move forward, and you had presented this to him as a as a business model? He found it interesting. He became became a strategic partner. How many partners were there in DropX or are there currently? At this moment, yeah. uh, we have more than 200 business partners. Um, we are operating in Helsinki metropolitan area and also in Tampere. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that we've been growing like very fast. Um, of course, in the beginning, the growth rate wasn't that fast because we were still finding what is like the sales uh, ingredients that we need to, you know, uh, I always think when you do sales that it's about ingredients, like you're making a food when it tastes good, people are going to buy it. So it's the same <laughs> it, thing. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting, uh, concept. I yeah. haven't heard of that before. Interesting. I might have to apply that to some of my own sales techniques. Give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so moving on from JobX quickly, you've recently started a new uh, startup crave. This is really interesting for me. It's a huge challenge as a restaurant and, and in the restaurant industry currently with uh, utilizing Vault and Foodor as, as delivery partners. Give us a little bit about Crave. What is it? How did it start? You know, when is it kicking off? Have you got customers already? Give us a little bit of the background. Yeah, of course. So I noticed the potential of Crave <clears throat> while I was working at Dropbox uh, because an uh, we had restaurant partners using Dropbox as a third-party delivery service. And one thing I noticed is that restaurants were using uh, e-commerce solutions like Shopify, WooCommerce, Wix, 
that were that are not really designed for food ordering. Um, restaurants, of course, when they it was a hack for them, right? They saw the opportunity. They saw that okay, we could use Shopify that is designed for clothes, and I could just add my pizzas there, and I need a delivery service like Tropix. We connect them and we start delivering pizzas, and we save thirty percent. It works really well, but it's not scalable, right? It's, it's really missing the experience for the end user. You are not able to track the order. Every time you want to buy something, you need to add your credit details, your address. So it's really missing the experience. And we were getting more and more partners at Dropbox uh, doing the same thing. So then I noticed that, okay, the main reason why this is happening right now is because restaurants are able to save a lot of money by doing this. And customers are actually ordering from them, even though the experience is not the same as with other apps, right? So there was like support from both sides. Do you think that was like a, a loyalty thing from customers where they started to discover how much restaurants were paying Vaulted Foodora as a commission and then they wanted to support the restaurants more directly? Is that why that happened? Or what was the reason that customers were ordering through you know, the restaurant's website or whatever it might have been. Yeah, uh, indeed, it, it's that uh, they, they had like loyal customers who really wanted to support the business and they were aware that how much other apps uh, are charging this restaurant and they wanted to do this effort, they wanted to go the extra mile in order to, to help the restaurant. And um, also restaurants were uh, trying to funnel customers from other apps to order through their own websites with discounts, free deliveries. So it was a combination of both. Uh, yeah, so then I noticed that this is going is happening in the market right now. And then I was like, I need to bring a solution to this. Okay, so basically Crave was born with that idea that we don't charge commissions. Instead, we have this uh, subscription-based model and we bring it together into a marketplace. And when I, when the concept was born, I, I already knew that okay, there is going to be there is going to be need for this. But then, moving forward, uh, I noticed that why should we charge commissions for something that we really haven't made? Like I can't really think that my app could charge commissions for a restaurant make a pizza. Like I have not done absolutely nothing towards making the pizza. So. Like it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, you haven't bought the ingredients, you haven't exactly. rented the kitchen, you haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Uh, I, I definitely, you know, I have lots of questions about this because this is really interesting. But let's talk a little bit about the end user focus first. Volt and Foodora, who are the you know two biggest in the marketplace currently, or, or Deal Dash is the owner of Foodora, I believe, and they took over Pizza Online and so on and so forth. Uh, from from my experience, Vault has a larger customer base and a little bit more market share than Foodora, at least in Finland. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's a it's a end user kind of issue where people are more comfortable with Vault's platform? Do you th- what do you think it is? Do you think it's a delivery focused issue where Foodora is slower or less consistent, or have you looked into these kind of issues and give me a view on them? Yeah. Uh, it's actually a combination of many things. Um, one of the main things is that why Vault is bigger 
in Finland. <laughs> okay, it's because well, Bolt is Finnish, right? But on top of that, uh, Bolt has a superb uh, customer experience, customer service for the end user, right? Bolt is designed for people to order food. And it's not, in the, on the other hand, it's not friendly for the restaurant, but I think that Vault has been designed for people to just order food and eat being convenient. And they have focused on that, on being easy, smooth, having a really good customer service. And that's how they are bigger. I think Vault's challenge, right, is, is well, they're a tech company that's applied a, uh, a logistics side. And we know that the logistics side of this business is the heavy component, the the part which makes this whole thing really, really complicated. How, what's your solution for Crave's logistic side? You know, uh, I know that Foodora and, and Vault have always had issues in how drivers are paid. Are they paid to, by delivery? You know, does that meet kind of the industry minimum or, or the minimum wage expectation within the Finnish laws, et cetera, et cetera? what's what's your solution for this how is it working with your drivers do you have drivers currently you know what's going on on that side yeah um so i'm gonna say tell a a little bit more about uh like the structure of companies like volt and fudera versus crave so what volt uh does is that they they take care of the delivery the logistics right uh they take care of the ordering which means the platform and they also take care of the marketing. So they bring customers to you. Uh, I remember one investor once told me that Bolt is the Google of restaurants. People go there to find restaurants, right? But this combination is way too expensive for restaurants. It's not sustainable. And what we did with Crave is that we basically took all those three things and they are all like separate things. Crave itself, its main thing is the ordering platform. Uh, the logistics is uh, done by a third-party delivery uh, service. Um, we usually look, our, our goal is to look for the best delivery service available in that area. Like Dropbox. Like Dropbox. <laughs> <laughs> and we partner with them. Uh, we are currently thinking about having a small pilot of our uh, Crave delivery, like in-house, to test. Uh, which one is going to bring, you know, better benefits in the long term. And this takes me to, we want to really take care of the drivers. And we see that the best way for us to do that is by having our own team of uh, like drivers. And it's a very challenging uh, place for us to really <laughs> make a big difference. Uh, we, we can do really quick fixes like paying the drivers more that's already one thing uh but you can support drivers in many different ways for example you can create events for them to build a community kind of build a family okay uh because something i noticed uh with dropx we have uh we have had a total of like 300 drivers in our uh, in our network and um i always aim to ask them okay what is the difference between Bolt and Dropbox when you're doing deliveries? And they usually tell me this, that working for Bolt and Fudera is like, it's very lonely because they are usually by themselves in the car. They go to a restaurant, like 
all in a rush and they try to get the food then they drive super fast to the end user place and sometimes customers don't even say anything and nowadays you have to leave the the package behind the door you know it's like it's super lonely and it's, they are usually like foreigners that don't they don't speak the language so basically you're a foreigner that comes to work and doesn't have any support in network and that's something that really affects them the the well-being the mental well-being especially if you think uh the finnish winter and the darkness and everything so it's a combination of many things and there are a lot of things that we could do to make the work easier then if we go into this that should we employ the drivers right it's a possibility we actually piloted um having our own employee drivers at Dropbox the benefit for drivers is like is huge like they see the difference straight away but the biggest issue is profitability it's actually not profitable for the company to have employed drivers the main reason is that this whole business model is based on the on demand and the on demand is super unpredictable right if i have now an employed driver and it to book a shift for this person let's say four hours a day and if we expect to get during those four hours like 20 orders based on last week's same day demand and now it doesn't happen right because for example it's sunny and we doubt that it's going to be raining then we lose automatically on those four hours yeah for sure and i think this is now when we talk about the overall business model being a subscription model rather than a pay per delivery model mm. that's where the challenge comes in right because you have a fixed amount of customers in a fixed area and those customers need to meet a minimum of deliveries per day to make it justifiable for the expense of employing a driver etc so do you have concerns though that employing a third party to do those deliveries based on a subscription model might also run into profitability issues or is that something you've kind of modeled out? Yeah, actually our subscription based model is just for the ordering platform. So we we charge restaurants a flat fee of two euros per delivery. And it's always two euros regardless of the distance or the cart size. And those two euros combined with the, the fee that the end user pays, which is around 390, 490, depending on the distance, that all goes to the driver, right? So at this moment for the, the logistics side of Crave uh, is still on demand because it's, uh, especially for us in the beginning, is the, is the most scalable and uh, less risky way of starting our own uh, delivery. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so, and it's really cool to hear that actually the that delivery is going all to the driver. So if the driver can do you know, let's say four deliveries in an hour, which I think in, in at least Helsinki city center, it's, it's possible, uh, you know, assuming that the base fees 490 for the customer and two euros for the restaurant, it's 690 times by four. It gives you like a decent, you know, hourly salary if you take yeah. it in, into consideration. Exactly. So exactly. Will, will these drivers then, so the third party delivery drivers, will they, do they usually have their own businesses like Toymanimi's? Or, or like sole trader uh, businesses or, or they're directly employed by, for example, Dropbox or 
whoever the third party delivery is? Uh, it's a combination of things. Like you can find a bit of everything. And what we noticed that the best is to, to work with a, a company, yep. like an actual company that has drivers under them. And one thing that we noticed is that there are companies, small driver companies who have employed their drivers. So basically we have between us and the company an agreement and we pay for delivery, but then they take care of their own drivers in a very ethical way. So I think that is the best, but it's a bit difficult to find uh, those kind of companies at the moment. It's, it's not so popular yet. Okay, yeah. interesting. How many third-party delivery companies are there in, in Finland? Is there is there a lot now or you know, is DropX the biggest one in the Helsinki area or I, you know, I don't know any of these numbers, so. It depends how do we, what is the segment, right? Because DropX um, focuses a lot on speed, express, 30 minutes deliveries. When it comes to that third party express um, delivery company, DropX is the biggest, okay? But when it comes to, for example, bulky or, um, how to say, like creating routes and not, not really speed related, there are much bigger than, than drawbacks. Is that when we start talking about, you know, PostNord and DHL and these kind of companies? Or is that a different category entirely? That's a different category, yeah. Okay. I would say that PostNord, DHL, they are the so-called legacy. Uh, okay. Uh, delivery services uh, but I was talking more a bit a little bit like for example A to B yep code okay. delivery bring those are like uh, let's say the, the more professional uh, heavy logistics yeah yeah we companies. actually use A to B for our for okay. our food delivery for yeah. so or central kitchen delivery mm-hmm. ingredient delivery interesting really really interesting mm-hmm. so the, the future of Crave uh, now is that you're you're looking for funding or Kind of what's the next step for you in Crave? Yeah, uh, we are currently looking for our pre-seed round uh, on Crave. What we aim to do with, with that funding is to, to take things to the next step. Uh, we are currently running a pilot with 20 restaurants uh, in Helsinki city center. And our goal is to expand this time, to expand wisely. And basically what I'm trying to do with Crave is um, do things in a different way than what I did with Dropbox. Okay. Why is that? Did you make mistakes in Dropbox? Yeah, I did mistakes at, at Dropbox. Um, first time entrepreneur <laughs> mistakes at Dropbox. They're, un- <laughs> they're unavoidable. Yeah. Talk a little bit about, you know, it's something we talk about a, a lot on the podcast because I try to um, bring out these mistakes, you know, not as issues or, mm-hmm. or failures, but but things that people can learn from when they're developing their business. So talk a little bit about the errors you made with DropX and how you're going to change that with Crave. Yeah. Uh, one, the team. When building the team, um, it's very challenging if you don't have enough funding because what every company needs is to have the best talent you can ever find to actually make that company successful. And I have always this thinking that it's not about idea, it's about the execution. Like a lot of people have ideas, um, but it's about who do you have in the team executing that idea that really matters the most. 
And that's very challenging in the beginning when you are not able to really afford top talent. So then you have like two options. Like you try to find somebody who doesn't have the skills, but it's gonna get you somewhere, but it's the budget that you have, or you try to somehow bootstrap and give a lot of shares to top talent and maybe have limited workforce. And this is, I think, one of the mistakes I did in the beginning that uh, we were taking in people to the team who maybe were not the right one to take the company, you know, further. So basically I should have thought a bit longer term with this specific team member, how this person is going to evolve inside the company and how this person is going to take us to the next uh, milestone. That, that is one of, of those things that uh, I have already changed uh, because Andre is, <laughs> is a good example that he, he's, he's top talent, uh, he really knows his thing and uh, I can see straight away the value that he can bring now and the value that he can bring in the next six months, 12 months and five years. It's really interesting because uh, something that you know I do with Momotoko and when we talk about building teams, uh, a huge portion of that for me is also exactly about that, about evaluating where the company is going to be in, you know, not just the next three months, but you know, 12 months, 24 months, and how that individual can grow within the company. I spoke, we spoke a little bit before before the podcast. A big part of why I enjoy be, uh, being in business and being an entrepreneur is being able to provide opportunities for people to improve their, you know, career and and create opportunities for them. Um, it's awesome to hear that you kind of recognize that also with your with from your first business and now with Crave. I think identifying individuals that one are talented is, is important, but also show a specific type of commitment or interest for how you're going to grow and develop the business long term. I think finding people that are going to kind of stick with you through the mud and then not become in, inactive shareholders is a really you know, it's a tough thing to do because sometimes the face value of an individual is not necessarily the way in which they act or react to being in a sticky situation, especially when, you know, we see this in tons of businesses now throughout COVID when, you know, the proverbial shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. You know, these, these talented individuals that have tons of experience end up in this kind of area of the business where, they don't show much interest in in getting it through you know what it's going through yeah absolutely uh, yeah so you know i i hope that i really look forward to seeing how how things develop with crave and and how you develop your team who are you looking for in your team next and and you know you've got andre looking after the social media or sorry the the content marketing side of things and uh as your cmo is that right uh andre yeah he's the crave cmo Cool. Yeah. And who's next on the list? Who you, who who's next that you need to find and bring to your team <laughs> to, to make things go forward in the way you want them to. Yeah. So the I have two two roles in mind that is gonna take this company to the next level. Uh, one is growth, so getting partners, restaurants, uh, building a customer success uh, experience. That's one. And the second one is the technology part, right? because we need to evolve 
make a better app, uh, bring new features to restaurants. And those are the two roles that I'm looking for. So chef growth officer and a chef technology officer. Okay. Yeah. On the tech side, have you developed a platform already in a marketplace already, or is that something you're still working on? The cur- we have a current MVP and we have a lot of ideas uh, that we want to develop and we need workforce for that for developing next ne- next like brilliant uh, features that's gonna make crave something completely like that it has never been seen before cool is there a reason why you decided not to outsource the technology ac- aspect i know a lot of a lot of companies and tech companies look overseas to for example india you know or or the united states for example the companies that contract and consult the development of of applications and and web apps is there a reason why you decided to keep it local um actually that what that was our plan to outsource it but Mm -hmm. the truth is that you need to have uh somebody in-house who can lead the project lead the vision exactly and uh then when you get the project done by a third party uh developer company if you want to do quick change later on, you should have that uh, those skills in house, because otherwise you're always uh, kind of like depending on this company that has done the, the app for you. Sure. Yeah, I was going to bring that up uh, because one interesting thing I, I acted as a consultant for a small company here in Porto that tried to start its own delivery business, um, and we we had spoken. I, I had mentioned some of the challenges that he was going to face and. One of those challenges that he faced was that he had paid, you know, an exuberant amount of money to to outsource the development of this technology uh, that he wasn't really receiving any support from. So as he kind of, you know, rolled out his product, he was finding bugs and errors throughout the system, and the support time for that was just really, really long. And uh, you know, that being the issue, of, you know, outsourcing overseas is that. To, to fix those bugs or issues you know you need it done in like hours and, and yeah. not in days or weeks even exactly so. yeah and i've even heard that like they do that so that so basically they intentionally give you a not ready product so that you are attached to them and you know you are with them more time and you are, you need to pay them even more yeah there are the pros and cons of on doing that, I think uh, the pros of outsourcing the tech is that it's scalable mm-hmm. and um, you don't have to build something from scratch because those companies have done, they have components that they just put together sure. for what you need. Sure. What about the, um, so a, a little thing I know about you is you went through a Kiwas program, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. I think for new entrepreneurs, the Kiwas startup program or the incubator program is something that's really interesting. Talk a little bit about your experience with Kiwas. How did you find it? Yeah. So that was in 2019. Um, I actually applied there. I think it was August time when I applied. It was for the for the fall um, semester. That they had keyword start, and um, to be honest, I don't remember how I found it. It's, it's already a while ago, 
But uh, I remember I got a call when I was at work. I was working back then for USC uh, as a um, customer experience and service manager. I got a call. Uh, I usually don't pick up calls. I, I don't like talking on the phone at all. But this one I took, and uh, then it says like, uh, this is from Kiwas, and uh, we want to know a, a little bit more about your startup. And they invite, invited me to a startup sauna in Alto, in Espo. Uh, I went there. I was quite nervous <laughs> because back then Dropbox was just an idea. Like yeah. I had pitch deck and uh, some like calculations that didn't make any sense. <laughs> 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 and we didn't have any customers. We didn't have anything. And there were just two of us uh, in the team. So I went there. They they really roasted me. Like it was one hour asking me questions like crazy and things that I have never heard about before, like startup questions. And I tried to deliver the best way I could. And when I left, I thought that, okay, I'm not going to get in. <laughs> I know for sure. <laughs> um, but I think the next day they called me and they said that, hey, your startup looks like really nice. I see a lot of potential in the idea. I'm pretty sure that there is need for a solution like this. So we would like to, to give you this opportunity. And um, the program starts next date and uh this is what the program is going to look like and, and yeah so that's how uh, we got in and my experience during the programs was like really really nice okay i got a lot of connections uh, mentorship and they had back then a startup toolbox it was worth 100,000 euros it was a combination of software for early stage startups like stripe that you can get like the first 20,000 uh, euros. Uh, they don't take any any commissions, for example. Uh, there was Notion, I was introduction to, to that. Yep. I, I used nowadays Notion every day, all the time. <laughs> uh, Slack and a lot of tools that made like our life much, much easier. And I also made a lot of startups um, who also were selected to the program. And eventually, like we are doing partnerships with those startups nowadays. Uh, awesome. Yeah. For example, Kamupak. Uh, I don't know if you have heard about them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we recently, last week, we made a, uh, an agreement that we're going to offer Kamupak to the restaurants who are on Crave. So, because Crave's aspect is this, that we want to be fair, ethical, and also sustainable. Yeah. So... I met a lot of people and um, it has been a great experience and it really helped Dropbox kickstart. Cool. For for people listening that don't know what Kiwas is, Kiwas is a startup accelerator program where you're provided with, well, you apply and for those selected, as you said, you get provided with mentorship and, and also you get an introduction to some investors also at some point, right? Yeah, um, that you can Correct. pitch your your product to or your business to. I think I haven't been a part of the Kiwas program, um, but it is something that I've been following. Uh, it's also something that I I look for, uh, you know, new startups and new opportunities, and from an investment perspective. And uh, I think for people starting a new business, Kiwas can be a good opportunity to put, especially for those people that just have ideas and would like to get some feedback on those ideas. I think it's a good place to start. Would you agree? Yeah. It, uh I absolutely agree. It's a great place. And what is the most beautiful thing for me like today 
after having been in the in the program is that of course not all the startups are nowadays like they don't exist all of those don't exist right there there are just maybe 10 percent who are still alive and the, the most beautiful beautiful thing is that we were all back then like at rock bottom we didn't have anything and today we have done something and uh, you can see who are the ones who are still you know up and running and that that is something that even though you get the support and the network it's a lot about how you execute it takes me back to that um and how you're able to build your like support network there's a really <clears throat> the execution side that you bring up and you've brought up now is is really you know is a key aspect to a startup and I spoke with, you know, I spoke with in the last podcast also that so many businesses started from a passion and then understanding how to monetize that passion can be really complex. Mm. And in some cases, you don't even have a passion. You just have an idea for a, for a market need. And that can be even more challenging because you need to force yourself into a mindset that really, you know, puts you in the deep end of the swimming pool of what's the product the customer wants you know, what are they looking for? How do they want to use it? How much are they offering to pay for it? So on and so forth. And programs like Kiwas can be a good opportunity to test all those questions. So really interesting to hear and, and great to hear that you had a positive experience with Kiwas. Absolutely. Cool. So do you have any other business ideas on your mind? Cool. You, I mean, you're a young, you know, <laughs> motivated entrepreneur, 24 years of age. Right. Uh, sorry, just but you're you're not born in Finland. You're born in Spain, right? Yeah, correct. And, and you moved to Finland at the age of twelve. Cool. Thrown in the deep end here as well with the language. I'm sure. Same challenges I have on a daily basis. <laughs> um, you know, but it's awesome to hear that you kind of found your position here, that you really want to contribute to the Finnish marketplace and the Finnish uh, way of doing business. It's really great to hear. So tell me. What's on your mind? Have you got some little ideas willing to throw around? Yeah, I, actually, I use my uh, iPhone's notes to to write down all the ideas that I have. And I have way too many ideas. <laughs> and that's sometimes a problem to me to really focus on something. Nowadays, I'm starting to, to, to learn that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to focus on this like fully and i don't know i just can't stop getting those ideas <laughs> and i always wonder when my friends ask me like how do you get those ideas or when i start with people and i ask them do you want to make your own company and many many say that yes but then they say after this something that i have heard many many times that they don't know what and they say that i haven't had the great idea and i'm thinking like you don't have to wait for it. It just comes. And the best way is that you live your everyday life and you start, you wait for a second and you think, how could you do this ex exact same experience even better? And that's like Crave and Dropbox is, is like everyday um, kind of problems that you're trying to fix. You don't have to just sit and, you know, wait for the magic idea. It's just, it's about making life smoother, easier, 
And uh, but yeah, I have like many many ideas. It, my my craziest idea that I got like recently when I was in Spain in in January. Um, my my mom and my dad they live in in Fuengirola right now, so I went to visit them, and um, I had this crazy idea of a mar <laughs> creating a marketplace for uh, sand chairs, right? Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so basically, the idea is that we know. I mean, Spain is all about going to the beach and uh, drinking maybe uh, a sangria or whatever, and it's full of beaches everywhere, right? Uh, there are. It's like Aurinco Tualis. What is that in in English? That is like yeah, some some bed, some, some bed, right? Yeah. yeah. So some bed for a marketplace. So. Thinking again, like from my experience going to the beach, right? And having to get one freaking sunbed is super <laughs> hard. You're, you're talking about the, the beaches where they like rent the sunbeds, right? Yeah. Like in front of hotels and stuff like that. So you would develop a marketplace to like pre-sell those? Is that, is that what you're thinking? We are very close. So the idea is that before I go to the beach, right? So the problem is that I go to the beach and all these sunbeds are taken. I have to go back to the car and look for the next beach, right? The, think how cool it will be that you're at home before you go anywhere and you see all the available sun beds, right? You look first at the beach that you like the most, your favorite beach, and you see, okay, there are two available sun beds. I'm going to book one, right? So you book and you pay in the app. You book for two hours and then you go there and you enjoy life. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, we, we live in a life of convenience, right? Exactly. So there's, there's so many aspects of the way in which we're st our daily living, we're still adapting to this new way of living, which is focused around convenience. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity in that segment or in that thought process of how can we make this easier? How can we make this more convenient? And I think that's also why we see Vault doing so well is although as you said they're they're not necessarily the friend of the restaurant you know they those commission expenses are very you know hefty but the flip side of that is they're kind of the they're kind of the they, they they're they're required for you to do business these days because so many people are looking just for the convenience of delivery and and the convenience of not having to move from their couch and they mm. get their food at their door and it, they know exactly when it's going to arrive and you know they can start the movie exactly at the yeah. time the food's going to arrive and so on and so forth so it sounds like the way in which your brain works is focused around solving problems which for entrepreneurs many people know what the solution is but they're not a hundred percent sure how to solve the real problem identifying the real real problem is something that's that can be challenging and then yeah, putting the indeed. team around that is needed to really solve that problem long term is the next challenge exactly but it sounds like things are going well for you it sounds like crave is you know has a lot of opportunity in our in our current market and i, I really look forward to seeing how, how it develops so are you going to you're going to do a pilot you said with with 20 restaurants you already have those restaurants selected or yeah, we are actually live already. Uh, we launched in January, mm -hmm. 15th of January. So okay. a bit over a month we have been live with those 20 restaurants. And uh, 
so far it's, it's going really well uh, their pilot restaurants they have managed to sell over 5,000 euros through our marketplace okay uh, and if you calculate that into savings we're talking about more than 2,000 euros in savings um, from an app that we have really used zero euros in marketing for this pilot who's been the delivery partner or who are the delivery guys been? Uh, Drabax. Okay. It's been outsourced to Drabax. Okay. And we were 45th in the um, App Store charts of food and beverage of the whole Europe last week. Yeah, I saw, I saw that actually on, I think it was on your LinkedIn, I think. I saw. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's like, And we use zero euros of marketing. And that's just, like we are in the pilot like i say and we are still experimenting things trying things mm-hmm. and um from a small pilot the like the results that you can get from something like that has like there is a lot of potential in this market and uh people want to support restaurants but of course there is the downfall that a lot of people just don't know that uh apps like bold and food are they chuck 30 percent which is like it's huge but a lot of people just that they just don't know about that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it became more more publicly known throughout the COVID period because mm. so many restaurants were trying to find alternative solutions to getting getting their products and getting their their food to customers a different way other than using Vaulted Foodora. And you know, a lot of people don't know that. You know, Vault's going to hate me for saying this, but <laughs> when you uh, when there's free delivery it's free for the for the customer but the restaurant actually pays the delivery fee on top of the commission yeah it's crazy so if you have a basket size of 15 euros minus 30 percent minus 390 you can do the math Hmm. you know it's it leaves very very little to to even make the food um and it's it's also why that when free delivery comes up with vault specifically uh, momotoko doesn't participate in those campaigns only purely the fact we can't afford to do it I think there's definitely a there's definitely a, a market for Crave. I think you'll definitely have a lot of challenges ahead, especially on the logistics side. And as you said, logistics is very challenging. It is. Um, it is. Commuting, communicating with the customer and lining that up with logistics is even more challenging. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the the marketplace that you plan to put forward is this going to be an app, kind of like Vault and Foodora, or do you still plan to sell through? The restaurants websites and stuff like that or or how does it how is it going to work long term yeah uh we have two channels uh we have the app that people can download it also works on the web but also restaurants can add a button on their own websites where people can order from so for the restaurant uh, it's better because they're able to get orders from different channels and Crave is not just about, you know, food delivery. Uh, there's much more to that. For example, we are working on a loyalty program that is basically, it goes down to the restaurant, you know, it's restaurant level is what we call it. So basically if I order from Momotoko, uh, you as the restaurant owner, you can decide uh, like the, the rules and the parameters on how do I get points from your restaurant. So the more I order from your restaurant, the more I, I benefit as an end user and also you do, right? So we're working on that feature uh, on how to, to create a, 
a stronger bond between the restaurant and the end user through our app. That's yeah, that's a really key aspect, I think, because Vault and Foodora, they had that customer loyalty, but to them, not to okay. the restaurant, right? Exactly. So same with the way in which lunch cards would work in the restaurant, mm. but Vault and Foodora don't bring it all the way back down to the restaurant level. Whereas with Crave, you're trying to achieve that. Exactly, exactly. And on top of that, uh, Vault and Foodora, they don't give permission to for the restaurants to use their data, right? So because the data is owned by those companies. And with Crave, the restaurant owns the data. Like those are your customers. And so that's also uh, one thing that is making a difference there. Because for example, you can send a newsletter to your own customers and saying, hey guys, now we have a, a flash deal or new products coming soon, give it a try. Um, in, in the end of the day, like Crave doesn't benefit if you get 1000 orders or one order, right? Because we get a monthly fee, but it, it's our benefit that you get a lot of orders because the restaurant's gonna be happier and it's gonna be more sustainable for the community. So that's where our benefit lays. And on top of those features, like we want to create an ecosystem where restaurants can give convenience to customers in the new era, right? For example, we have a feature called Eat In that I personally use more than deliveries. Uh, for example, I have ordered a couple of times from uh, to one burgers, and the user case is this, that I am, you know, I live home, and when I am on the tram going to the restaurant, I browse what do I want to have. Then I choose what I want, I pay for it, and I indicate that I want to eat in the restaurant. When I arrive to the restaurant, the food is ready, okay? I start eating my burgers, and then meanwhile, I feel like I'm hungry, I want to have maybe a dessert. And meanwhile, I order dessert, right? When I'm done with the food, the dessert is coming. And everything super convenient from the app. It also reduce on, reduces on the staff expenses that the restaurant has, right? Absolutely. So <clears throat> uh, what's your plan and how will you communicate to the restaurant these orders? Will it be the similar system with Vault and Foodora where an order pops up and you have a kind of uh, tablet or platform that they use or, or how is it going to work? Yeah, so we decided not to change the experience from the restaurant side when it comes to getting orders because those apps uh, have already done a lot of research and development on that side. So we decided to do the same because that side was working for restaurants. So this means that it works the same way. Somebody orders, you have a crate tablet and it's going to ring and then you can put how much time you need to make the food. You put 20 minutes, 15 minutes, one hour, you accept or decline. And in addition to this, you can chat directly with the customer, right? So there is no like middle, middle man like involved. If I want to, uh, it's, for me, it's impossible to chat with the restaurant um, through Walter Fooder. Yeah. But with Crave, I can chat directly with you and the other way around, the way it should be. So what you want to do is like, if I would be in the restaurant, but through the phone. Okay. That's really interesting. How are you going to manage the, the delivery parameters, the delivery time parameters? For example, Foodora now works off an algorithm based on your average delivery time. Uh, Vault and Foodora, you can select the, the preparation time for the food. Um, 
what's your system going to be and why did you choose to go that way? Yeah, in the beginning for the pilot, um, thanks to the experience I got from the logistics, uh, the easiest way to do this is to agree with the restaurant that what is the average time that they need. And we also try to match it with what is our delivery capacity, delivery speed in order to match expectations. Because it doesn't make any sense for us to promise you that it means delivery if we don't have the availability, right? So at this moment, we ask restaurants to put always a minimum of 20 minutes, right? And then there is another 20 minutes for the delivery. So we have like a standard 40 minutes uh, delivery time, like is the maximum that it could mm. take. But of course, if the restaurant is full house, uh, you can always put more. But there is this minimum 20 minutes just to make sure that we deliver on time. Cool. I think that's a good method to go through. I think the, you know, the expectation of being able to prep food and then deliver it within like 20 minutes is just, it's not realistic. Mm. <laughs> um, and I, I don't think there's any restaurants that choose that five minute button, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, most In most cases, the orders are coming during peak times. Most people eat around the same time, so mm, it's, yeah. that's unavoidable. Uh, do you have concerns about how consistent you can be with the delivery times? Or is that something you plan to just kind of solve as you go if you find those challenges? Or what do you think the challenges will be uh, that you'll come up against over the next, let's say, 12 months? With crepe. Uh, I would say that the main challenge is going to be to educate customers, right? Because it can easily go into this that any users just think that Crave is, okay, it's another delivery app. You know, now there is three. Why should I try Crave? So that's going to be the most challenging. Uh, to expose what's going on uh, in the online food ordering market. Uh, educate people that, hey, actually when you order through this app, it costs the restaurant this much but hey there is another solution that is actually beneficial for the restaurants and it has other features like loyalty program eat in and other things that are coming give it a try you are helping the restaurant and we are planning to make a feature where uh, any users could see on the crave app on their own profile how much they have helped save restaurants in commissions that's really cool <laughs> that's a really good idea <laughs> it's really a bit of a stab in the back to Volton Foodora, but it is also the truth. And I think like showing showing that side of what customers are doing to support restaurants is a really cool feature. Yeah. I really <laughs> hope that you plug that in. <laughs> I think, you know, coming from being in the restaurant industry and, and having a restaurant background also, there's all this always this conflict about how you get your product to customers outside of the restaurant. Mm. Volton Foodora solved a big problem by doing that. Right, so they do have their place in the market. I think that they've just experienced these challenges that have also come with costs. And those costs have then ended up in a commission expense to the restaurant and the end user. Uh, do you think that you'll be able to avoid those challenges that they had? Or you think that your model of breaking those segments up in terms of marketing, logistics, by breaking them up, you'll be able to operate profitably without charging the restaurant commission? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I've been thinking that since day one. Uh, because honestly, it wouldn't make any sense uh, for us to just do this if we know that this is not going to be profitable, right? So it has been one of the m most important elements to figure out before 
deciding to do this. And what happens when we break down those three elements, right? The logistics, the ordering, and the marketing is that you are able to have a much lighter cost structure because you don't have everything in-house, right? Um, so basically what we're doing right now is that the platform has a monthly fee that we have calculated that is going to bring the revenue to, to, you know, to enable growth inside the company and to be able to offer our service to more, more restaurants, right? Um, then the marketing side, what we decided to do that is that if you think your own restaurant, how you get restaurants to your customers, uh, you get customers to your restaurant is through the marketing that you do. Word so, of mouth also. Exactly. Yeah. But to get your own customers to your own restaurant, like eating, you do your own marketing, right? So it's, it basically it applies the same idea, but for online ordering. Yeah. You are in charge of your restaurant and we basically call this like instead of third party delivery platform which bold and footer are we change this and we become first party right because it's your your app your customers your restaurant yeah. your rules yeah okay and that's how we're making of course much lighter because we don't have a huge marketing team in house it's of course our plan to bring support marketing support to restaurants in the future because we know that restaurants don't have always the time to do the marketing social media right so we can offer enough support on that side by having a small dedicated team that supports those restaurants when it comes to marketing so that's going to be another revenue stream yeah for a lot of people i think the marketing aspect of business is is really complicated people don't really understand or know how to manage seo the algorithms for google and facebook mm -hmm. are changing constantly you know, and unless you're working in, you know, in that social media management field, it can be hard to keep track. Almost impossible, I would say. Yeah. So I think offering some form of marketing support would definitely be beneficial, especially for those restaurants that, you know, many of these restaurants, as I said, are passion businesses. So they're run by chefs or run by people that are just passionate about customer service. They have no idea how to calculate the return on investment for their marketing strategies or, or how to develop their SEO to reach more people or what organic reach means or <laughs> you know all sure. of these all of these kind of concepts so i think offering some form of marketing support is is an aspect which i know is appreciated by many restaurants that they get that service from vault because they say okay i'm getting the exposure through vault mm. and food so that's a benefit to me and i'm willing to pay the commission because of that benefit uh, but it's just too expensive because yeah. people don't understand that marketing can be done in different ways for a more budget conscious exactly uh, focus exactly so. yeah so basically is is that what you just said but as its own entity inside inside crave that is supporting restaurants who who are willing to to take it to the next you know next level and the best benefit out of that is that it's not based on marketing crave it's based on marketing your restaurant whereas with other companies it's based on marketing Bold up. Well, well, they need to, because they need the users. They need the the exactly. amount of deliveries to cover their expenses. Mm. So, yeah, they need to kind of market themselves. It's it's awesome to hear that you know, as a young entrepreneur, you have a really what I would consider like a clued on, uh, a conscious aspect to the way in which you do business. And I think that 
you know, business used to be one of these things that you did honorably and a lot of people, you know, took a lot of respect to entrepreneurs and so on and so forth. And it somehow became like this gangster driven, (laughs) you know, uh, a lot of people, the way in which they do business is in consideration of themselves and themselves only. And I think if, if we can change that mentality that at the end of the day, we become an entrepreneur to help our community and to contribute to the way in which society moves. Uh, if we keep that in mind, I think any business that's moving down that path will be successful long-term. Definitely challenges, because uh, you know I, I know Volt and Foodora, they won't play nice, no. but, but I think that long-term, the customer will see through uh, those, those negative ways of doing business and, and see your product as, as beneficial. So for when's, you know, let's assume that the pilot goes well, mm-hmm. when's Crave going to kick off? How can restaurants find you? How can they get in contact with you? So on and so forth. Yeah. So restaurants at this moment, um, you can guys find us through, through our system. Like I could tell a little bit more like what we are doing, how we're growing in this yeah. pilot. Yeah. Like we, uh, we have developed this kind of symbiosis strategy. So we use the restaurant's existing uh, network to expand, right? And we usually ask restaurants to, to post something about Crave and they'll educate their user base, their followers that, hey, we are using Crave because of this, right? And already through that, because restaurants fo- follow restaurants, like there is a community. And already through that, we have got a lot of inbound restaurants saying, hey, I found this, uh, I saw this there. Tell me how does it work? And a lot of people are like skeptical because they are like, how is this possible? Right? Um, but yeah, like that's our strategy right now that we use existing networks to grow. And at this moment, we are not able to grow like super fast. Okay. We have a, a really long list of restaurants who want to join and we just haven't had the resources to add them to the system because we want to make sure that when we add them, we are able to service them the best way that we can together with the deliveries and customer experience. But we are a very small team and until we get the investment that we're looking for, we won't be able to really go faster. I think controlled growth is really important also. And, you know, I've spoken with many entrepreneurs about this, that, you know, growing is awesome and building revenue is great and mm. developing profit is fantastic. But at the end of the day, if you're not able to sustain that long term, you know, then there's no benefit to that. And you'll only see your business decline in areas which are really key aspects. For example, like end user um, experience, uh, business profitability, so on and so forth. So it's controlled growth is really important. I think that pati- a little bit more patience can be shown um, from from both the end user and from the businesses that are looking to come on on board with Crave. And I think that if you communicate with them in the right way and you communicate with them in the way that um, says that you're doing, you know, you're looking to control your growth, to maintain your quality of experience and so on and so forth. I, I think there should be an understanding for that. I don't think you'll necessarily lose potential customers mm. because you decide to, you know, stagger your growth or or, you know, um, develop your strategy over a longer period of time. I, I don't think there's a downside to that. And my suggestion to you 
would even if you do get investment and you are able to onboard customers stage it stage it so you can meet the expectation for this this block of customers then move on to the next block then the next block and you know that would be my suggestion it's a good point actually kind of it takes me back to my previous company that towards the end like of the last year we'll be growing way too fast and uh, of course the numbers look super nice but I started checking like the customer experience rate uh, because we had every Monday uh, a weekly meeting within all the team and I noticed that it was going down like number of deliveries were going up number of partners were going up but the satisfaction was going down and it was like like this doesn't really make sense right but then there is this uh dilemma that when you have investors investors want to see growth and some investors want to see growth at no cost at any cost right uh so you you always have to fight with should i keep my customers happy and grow like steadily instead of super crazy or should i just keep my investors happy and grow like off limits so that we could get a bigger round next time and they could benefit from that because their their shares go, uh, value goes up because the valuation goes up the more customers the more uh, orders we have so i was there in the middle trying to decide what should i do and it was from my side really hard because it's not only about what for example i want or the founding team wants there are many other things that influence the direction but i absolutely agree with you that when it comes to growth you have to really really kind of like control the growth it's, yeah. it's exactly what companies should do like, yeah. yeah yeah sustainable growth is key exactly you, you need to be able to sustain the growth and you need to understand what the impact of growth is on the business because while there is a lot of positive there is negative that comes with growth also yeah. growth also so it's it's something that uh, you know what's just popped into my mind and I want to bring this up you know immediately because one of the throughout COVID there's there's been uh, a huge want and need for cloud kitchens mm-hmm. and uh, one of the biggest roadblocks we started e-kitchen at the beginning of um, of COVID and we came up with seven restaurant concepts in a week wow seven menus you know we we converted our central kitchen into a cloud kitchen and we started e-kitchen great sales fantastic sales Mm. awful commission expense (laughs) (laughs) you know it pretty much took away all our profit um and we saw uh we saw Uxley Hedelevy do it with munchies we saw NoHo do it with their what was it called NoHo cloud maybe or it was called something uh, with with their cloud kitchen, um, it's been a huge roadblock for the development of the industry. Uh, when we look at this convenience style dining, is that commission expense? So if you can solve that issue, I think it's going to open the floodgates to a lot of development in in the restaurant industry. And I think it also, you know, I'm assuming that um, Dropbox also opened a lot of opportunities for retail businesses. One of those big challenges in retail is that everything's online now. Mm-hmm. You still want to have a showroom because people want to try on clothes, but they don't want to buy them in in store. Yeah, <laughs> because sure. you know Zalando's selling the same dress for twenty percent off, but you can go in store and try it at Zara or wherever it might be, 
try it on, see how it looks, put it back on the rack and leave. <laughs> so, you know, I think DropX maybe found a, a kind of niche there. And I hope that you continue with DropX because I think there's a retail aspect to to um, to that side of, of the industry. So, yeah, you're right. Um, actually, regarding the showroom and the retail, something that I've been looking a lot into and uh, actually there is a solution that I've been thinking about and I was deciding like do I do Crave or do I do this I think that we know what did I decide <laughs> but uh, it is uh, I call the company Frank the concept right the idea is that uh, it's, a co- it's a platform for try before you buy and I personally like to order a lot uh, of clothes online. I don't like to go to the store and try clothes. Uh, I use Zalando. I love Zalando. It works really well. But uh, the main problem with Zalando, with me, and I expect that for many people, is that if you want to order like many sizes, let's say this shirt, right? If I want to order three sizes, I want M, L, and S because I don't know which one is going to fit me. It's that I have to pay for the three of them. Okay. And then uh, if we don't even think about the logistics part, that it's going to come to a package locker, uh, uh, what is it? Par- parcel locker. Yeah. And you have to go yeah. there, then carry the big ass <laughs> package home because you have orders way too much. Right. And then you have to try it. Then you have to, in the worst case, you have to print the label for return tape the, the <laughs> box and then go back to the parcel locker. Put so, it back. Put it back. And then yeah. also think of the economic, uh, the ecological impact of think shipping pa- packages back and forth. Back and forth. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's madness. And we are in 2022 and yeah. we still don't have a solution for that. Yeah. So basically the, the idea of Frank is that it's basically a plugin that any e-commerce store can integrate into their uh, platform. And basically, it gives the possibility for customers to to add products to their cart and pay later for what they order. Of course, together with the convenience that it gets delivered home, there is an app where you can, you know, select what you want to return, what you want to keep, and at the same time, you order a pickup. Uh, like a driver comes to pick up the box from your door and delivers it to wherever it has to go. Yeah. And then you only pay for what you keep, you know, at the moment that you have tried and you have made sure that this is what I want. Yeah. Right. And I see a lot of potential in that side also, you know, in the whole world, not, not just like here. And especially moving forward when now e-commerce is booming, it's just growing all the time. People is looking for more convenience and more convenience. So I hope that one day I will be able to, to work on that project. But uh, yeah, like there is a lot of possibilities on the retail. Yeah, lo- side. logistically, I think there's a lot of challenges globally right now. We, I think, we saw a huge influx of the use of logistic services, um, which has really put a strain on the way in which we do things. We're seeing huge increases in shipping costs um, from from Asia to Europe and and so on and so forth. I think a lot of that and, and a lot of the shipping is we just ship stuff all over the world. Yeah. Like we just ship and ship and ship and move and transport and 
you know, it's, it's some of it seems like it could definitely be done more efficiently. Absolutely. Um, I think it's definitely overdue that we, we look at our transportation, our logistics, you know, especially because, you know, in our days, it's, it's, not, it's not feasible to create, develop, um, manufacture products in every single country. You know, not every country can make mm. their own shoes. Like, you know, it's just not not possible because of whether it's because of resources, natural resources, um, materials, you know, labor costs, whatever it might be. Exactly. So we definitely need to consider what the more efficient way of, of doing business on the e-commerce side is. I think DropX is a start to that. Mm. I think Crave is a development of that. And whatever happens after Crave <laughs> will be a development of that. Um, Mate, it's been really great to meet with you. I've really enjoyed this podcast. I, I could honestly talk with you for another for another four hours. Yeah, I, I think so too. <laughs> we might have to do another podcast and, and give people that. an update on what's happening with Crave. Uh, tell, tell everyone though, for those people listening and those people interested, if you're a restaurant looking to onboard with Crave, what's the website? And also if they want to email di- directly to you or add you on LinkedIn, what are your connections there? Yeah, absolutely. To, to all the restaurants out there, uh, here's a, lo- a solution made for you by your people, by your community. Uh, you can learn more about us uh, on heycrave.com. You can, if you want, just send me an email at mario um, at heycrave.com or just add me on LinkedIn. My name is Mario Henningson. You can find me there. And I'm going to make sure that uh, we're going to set up your restaurant and help you really make business sustainable in the new area of online ordering. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome, man. It's really, as I said, great to talk with you. Let's do another podcast in the future. And I wish you all the best with with Crave and and also with DropX uh, moving forward. Thanks a lot. It's been really fun. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers, man.